Hello and welcome to And Let's Be Heard for Tuesday, August 29th, 2023. I'm Mike Cachopoli. All right. How's everyone doing? How are we? Here we are. Tuesday, Tuesday. How was your Tuesday? Was it productive? Productive? Let me know. I actually saw, I don't do theater reviews. Um, I'm a critic of many things, but I don't do theater reviews. But I saw at a local company, San Francisco Playhouse, uh, I just saw a, a chorus line. And it was a fantastic production. I had never seen a chorus line before. All those years, it was on Broadway. I never saw a chorus line. You know, there was a time, you know, we talk about, was it uh, Barbenheimer, Oppen Barbie? There was a time, not too long ago, when in New York theater world, a chorus line in 42nd Street were the Oppenheimer and Barbie, where everyone was seeing them. They were the biggest things. They were around about the same time. There's a little bit of an, there's a big overlap between the two shows when they were both running at the same time for years and years and years, decades, really. And um, those are the shows everyone wanted to see. A chorus Line and 42nd Street. You always asked back in the 80s and 90s. See a chorus line in 42nd Street? So it was like a, it was like a, a 42nd Street chorus line, right? If you want to combine the two titles. Um, and it was huge. And I did see 42nd Street because my family... My grandfather was friends with Jerry Orbach. So I did see 42nd Street as a young kid on Broadway. I, I saw that, but um, I never saw a chorus line. Great production here in San Francisco. If you're in San Francisco, I think it plays another couple of weeks. It's been going on for like two months. It's been extended a few times, but very worth it. Great, great show. Really good, good dialogue, good performances, perfectly cast, fantastic Dancing, tons of dancing, amazing dancing. So you should definitely see it. Okay, that's a chorus line at the at the uh, San Francisco Playhouse, directed by one Bill English. Um, McCoy, how do you go from a chorus line to Donald Trump? I try, I try to think of a transition there for a second, <laughs> and I can't do it. I can't go from a chorus line. He's certainly not one. Singular sensation. Well, there's your transition. All right, Mike, give yourself a pat on the back. Donald Trump is definitely not one singular sensation. Um, but his his cult does follow every little step he takes. All right, I promise I'm going to stop now. I'm going to stop. I promise. Uh, today or yesterday, he was on uh, Glenn Beck, Glenn Beck's podcast. More like a show. It's a big production. You've seen the studio. Um, and he was talking about COVID and once again, bragging about what a great job he did. Great, great job on COVID. We did a great job on COVID. I'll actually play the clip in a second here. It's only about 17 seconds. Remember, we've seen Trump say in the last couple of days, few weeks, that locking down was important, that it was a big, great move that saved lives. I think Trump made up a number that he pulled out of his fat, jiggly ass, like two million. He just pulled the number out of the air, two million. Two million lives saved. There's no scientific background or anything like that. No studies. Those are as accurate as Trump's polls that he makes up. 
you pulled that number out of his ass. Two million people. Two million lives. We've saved, you know, two million more people would have died. Two million. So we've already seen him promote lockdowns and how great his, his lockdowns were. And uh, on Glenn Beck today, he was also talking about ventilators. Now, what we know from, from ventilators is that they killed people. It was absolutely the wrong thing to do. The doctors should not have put a lot of people on ventilators. And at the time, the doctors and nurses that were going on uh, YouTube because they were being censored and banned. And even those videos on YouTube were censored and banned. I remember one doctor in particular went on YouTube and was crying about this, saying, this is wrong. We're doing this wrong. The ventilators are not the proper treatment. They're killing people. So they did lockdowns. They did ventilators. They did remdesivir all backed by Tony Fauci, who Trump never fired, made him the monster he became, and also gave him a medal. So that's that whole background. But of course, Trump is trying to do what he usually does, which is gaslight, rewrite history, and say, you know, he said the most ridiculous things to gaslight, right? That DeSantis did the wrong thing by not locking down, by opening up too soon. It was DeSantis who decided to close schools. Breath, this moron says that DeSantis didn't lock down enough. And then he says, but it was DeSantis's ideas to lock down the schools. So the guy's a total moron, but he knows his followers are morons. So it doesn't matter. You know, when your followers are morons, you can talk like a moron. In fact, you probably should to be the most relatable you can to the morons morons assholes who follow you so it doesn't matter what he says but of course will continue to call him on this stuff on this show um and now he's talking about these ventilators being so great when we know it's amazing the more information we get that lockdowns were bad and they killed more people than they saved and they didn't save any lives at all and then we get more and more information that ventilators were the wrong procedure there's the wrong treatment and it killed people Donald Trump pretends as though it's the opposite, as though we're getting more and more information that these things worked and they were great and they saved lives. So it's the opposite of actual reality. But once again, when you know your followers are idiots and they'll believe anything you say, you can be as contradictory as you want. You can go against the facts all you want. You can be as hypocritical as you'd like to be. It doesn't matter. So. This is Donald Trump in his own words on Glenn Beck. This country was coming together. Then we got hit with COVID. We did a great job with COVID. Has never been acknowledged, but it will be in history. We did a great job with the ventilators and all the things we did. Because nobody knew what it was. Nobody had any clue as it was. And we did a great job. This oh, Glenn Beck is, yeah, he didn't call him on it, of course, because these people it's amazing to be like a tough guy behind someone's back, but when you're confronting them, you can't challenge them. So, um, of course, that's all bullshit. That's 17 seconds of bullshit from Donald John Trump. We didn't know anything about it. I mean, uh, I mean a, a respiratory virus in the year 2020? Nobody knew anything about it. Well, of course we did. Jay Bhattacharya did. Scott Atlas did, Haman Hamadi did, uh, Queen McCullough did, Marty McCarry did. I can go on and on and on with all the people who knew 
And of course, there are millions of other doctors and scientists out there who, who knew what it was and knew it was a respiratory virus. So this whole idea that we didn't know what it was, we had the 1918 flu 102 years earlier. So we knew what this was. Uh, this isn't 1750. This was in medieval times, even though it was treated as a medieval in a medieval way. You know, hide from it, put a cloth mask with a million holes over your face to try to prevent it come up with a vaccine in 25 seconds. It was all handled in a very Neanderthal medieval science way. But the year 2020 is not a Neanderthal medieval science year. We had plenty of people who knew what it was, right? We had plenty of people who knew what COVID was. And plenty of people out there, among those I just mentioned, who were talking about on social media, how we just talked about a young doctor who was talking about the ventilators, and these people were censored. They were censored, and Donald Trump didn't do anything to make sure they weren't censored. Remember, this all the censorship, the most important, plenty of censorship happened after January of 2021 under Joe Biden. But the most important censorship happened in that first 10 or 11 months when Donald Trump was president. That was the most important censorship period because that's when the establishment Push their push their narrative, okay. That's when the powers that be pushed their narrative, and the first few months that this was cemented, it was in the first few months, let's say March to June of 2020, where this narrative was cemented in people's minds with the help of the censorship that Donald Trump did nothing to prevent, and as we're finding out now, did quite a bit to promote. The censorship was coming from before it came from Joe Biden in his administration. What's truly amazing is that the Trump cult, if you take Trump out of the equation, they know this is all bullshit. They were against lockdowns. They were railing it. They were out there with their freedom flag. Remember them out there with their freedom flags? Right? You can't lock me down. This is a commie China thing. Um, you can't mask me, commie, you can't force me to get the vax. That was a year later. Commie China thing and, you know, and all this stuff. I'm never going to go on a ventilator. If a doctor says to put me on a ventilator, I won't do it. Commie China. So they were out there doing all this. But now that he's running for president again, it's as though all that stuff didn't matter. All that stuff didn't happen. They didn't do any of that stuff. Donald Trump with COVID is on the exact same level in 100% agreement with Tony Fauci, Gavin Newsom, Andrew Cuomo, uh, and Justin Trudeau, and Joe Biden. Yet, not a peep from his cult about that. I mean, he might as well be running as a Democrat with this narrative, right? Why is he running as a Republican? Wait, this is a real Republican? I see. Ron DeSantis who stopped lockdowns, who opened schools up, who opened his state up, who has made vaccine mandates illegal, mask mandates illegal. That's a rhino, That, but that's a Republican in name only. But what is Trump? 
a Republican in name exactly? What is Trump? He's a real Republican. These things he's talking about are real Republican ideas. This is where the Republican Party stands now. The lockdowns were good and the jab saved lives and the ventilators saved lives and two million lives were saved because we shut down businesses and schools. Is that where the current Republican Party stands? I want to know. Is that where the current Republican Party stands? Is that reading the Republican Party room? Is that reading the Republican room? No, of course not. It's just the opposite. But like I said, it, the, the, the people who follow him don't care. They don't care that he's running as a Democrat. That he's saying lockdowns were good. That he's saying lockdowns save lives. That he's saying ventilators save lives. That he's saying school closures save children's lives. They don't care. If anyone else in the Republican Party or any Democrat says that, they call them on their bullshit. They call them commies. They call them anti-American. But when Donald Trump says it, crickets. Crickets. Or even worse, yeah, yeah, all those things were good now because our Jesus leader, our Jesus who's dying on the cross for our sins, says they worked. So now we believe they worked. These people are beyond, beyond ridiculous. They're beyond ridiculous. They are sad and they are pathetic. And the reason is what I've said before. These people have empty, pathetic, and they need this man in their life so he can do no wrong because they can't look at what he's saying and say, you know what? He's gone off the rails. He's not the Donald Trump he used to be. He's lying to us, and therefore we must remove him from our lives. They can't do that. They have a psychological, emotional, sick connection to him. That they simply can't detach from. They can't detach from it. They can't. But that's an illness. That's a that's a mental illness. That's a that's a psychological illness. That's not a thing that you can say is healthy. Okay, it's a, it's an it's an illness. That's the problem with this insane movement. They cannot help themselves. And he's making up stories about DeSantis quitting the race. He's making up stories because DeSantis had to go to Florida to do his job. Unlike never doing your job, never doing a job. As president, never actually doing your job. He doesn't understand what it's like to actually work hard and actually do your job. And having to go back to Florida because of a shooting. And then on, 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 on top of that, the hurricane, which is about to hit. And what's amazing is because the mainstream media wants to see Republican as the nominee, they can't wait to see him win the nomination and then get annihilated in November of next year. They're writing ridiculous stories such as, oh, Ron DeSantis to put his, something wrong with his campaign. 
Does he have to put his campaign on hold now? Only 8,727,432 politicians have had to do this in the past, run for political office, even president, and also do their job as congressman or senator or governor. Only about 8 million politicians before Ron DeSantis had to do two things at the same time. And now all of a sudden, it's like this is something new. Oh, my God. He has to leave Iowa for three days in August with the election 85 years from now. He has to leave Iowa for 72 hours to go back and do his job as governor. Look, his campaigns is a mess. It proves it. It proves it. Giving fuel to Trump's ridiculous claim that because it's in Florida, he's ending his campaign. That's why I want to take a giant fucking shit, a giant fucking dump on the head of everyone who works in the mainstream media. They deserve it. A giant fucking diarrhea shit on their heads because they know this is bullshit. They know this is commonplace. Yet they make it as though he had to go back to Florida in August of the year before the election for three fucking days to take care of a shooting and a hurricane. And that proves his campaign is in shambles. Yet, this guy actually has a fucking campaign. They haven't talked about Trump not having a fucking campaign. Have they mentioned that Trump is going to have to be in fucking courtroom every other day for the next 15 fucking months? How does that affect the campaign? Have they talked about that? It's a big deal that Ron DeSantis, who has a real campaign, has to go to Florida for three days. But who cares that Trump isn't even running a campaign, is going to be in fucking courtroom for the next 15 months, and is not spending one fucking dime on his campaign. It's all going to keeping his fat, belligerent ass out of dying in jail. Do they talk about that? No. 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 DeSantis going back to Florida means his campaign's in shambles. Go, Trump! Maga! Maga! These people are the fucking wor- most worthless pieces of shit in society. The mainstream media is more than the enemy of the people, than the enemy of the fucking world. They're the enemy of the world. They're pieces of dog shit. And that's what I think about them. That's what I think about them. So while Ron DeSantis is doing his job, he's in Florida doing his job. Saving lives, again, just the way he saved lives during COVID for three fucking years, while Trump and Biden killed people, along with Fauci and Newsom and Joe and all those people and Andrew Cuomo. He's in Florida doing his job, saving lives. Doing what a a governor of a hurricane-prone state is supposed to do. Trump sits on his fat ass in Mar-a-Lago doing nothing. Just collecting campaign contributions from people who can't afford to buy fucking food for their kids, but are giving money to this fat belligerent cunt for his defense. Just sitting there in Mar-a-Lago on his fat ass. Donald Ron DeSantis is actually doing his job as governor and running an actual real campaign for president. Not just being on the fucking grift. Counting on people making 18500 a year to give you money for your fat, your grift, you fat fucking loser. That's the difference. Ronda's actually a real man who does his job, and Trump is a fat, belligerent fucking loser. 
Those, that's the difference. That's your choice in the election, the primary. Fat, belligerent, old fucking loser. And an actual man who does his job, protects his citizens, cares about his family and other families, join the military to protect this country. That's your choice. Choose wisely. Sorry, I'm mad today. Here's, here's Ron DeSantis being asked about the CDC protocols for COVID. We can juxtapose this with, with Trump's comment on the, uh, on the Glenn Beck show. Yes, Governor DeSantis, uh, we thank you for uh, convening the COVID vaccine accountability roundtable. And uh, I asked, there were public officials, like the mayor of... This is from December 15th of last year, by the way. This isn't today. December 15th of 22. Orlando, the, the supervisor of elections down here that implemented vaccine mandates for, uh, their, for public employees. Will those public officials also be held accountable? And will you also be looking into the hospitals and their protocols that may have contributed to death as well? So um, I think we did the uh, round table. What we did was we now have created a public health integrity committee with some of the best uh, researchers and, and medical professionals in the country to really serve as a way for... Uh, okay, I'm interrupt this because for some reason the... the the person asking the question has a mic like this. And then for some reason, the mic that DeSantis is talking into, John, so it doesn't make any sense. But what he said basically was they use ventilators. Clearly, in hindsight, that was a mistake. Ron Denzevere, Vouchy said that was the standard of care. Saw no benefit of it. Now we also know it killed people. People have a right to the truth. I said the killed people part. DeSantis said that no benefit from it. He's right. There was no benefit, but it also killed people. So... Yes, and people are also giving Glenn Beck a hard time, I see in the comments here, for not confronting Trump and doing his job on the ridiculously awful and bad and disgusting and vile COVID response. But truly, Trump's aligned 100% on COVID with Fauci, Newsom, Cuomo, Biden. And his cult continues to give him a pass because they are losers who need him in their empty pathetic lives. They cannot live without him. They cannot without him they will all die. They will live to see it. We'll live to see it. On top of this, of course, Trump continues to promote the vaccine, and that's very important because we know the vaccine was useless and clot shot was nothing to do anything except hurt people and kill young children who get myocarditis from it, which is not a cough, by the way. They like to say, oh, COVID's no flu. COVID's no flu. Well, myocarditis is not exactly a, uh, it's not exactly a heartburn, okay? Um, and yet, here we go again, right, with the fall coming and the flu demic coming and the COVID variant number 85.2.185.5.2.5.5.5.1.5.2. So it, it come up with another fake vaccine. It's amazing how they're able to come up with these things so quickly with these new strains, right? 
It's almost as though they have them ready to go before, before they even know what the new strain is. Isn't that odd? Um, and we still have Donald Trump saying that these vaccines worked, that they saved lives. To take this stuff, that's the inference, right? Continue to take it. Uh, and that's very dangerous, right? That's very dangerous. He was telling the truth about the vaccine that might save lives, right? Because the people won't take this new stuff. They'll stop taking these boosters if Donald Trump told the truth about the vaccines instead of continuing to push them as though they were mana from heaven. And so that's a big problem. And that's where we are right now with this, in that this is no end. Once again, these people not admitted they were wrong. I, you know, I always talk about punishment, crime and punishment, right? Forget about that. They haven't even admitted they're wrong. In fact, they're saying they were right. Like Donald Trump, do lockdowns again, the vaccine operation speed again. I would do ventilators again. He's saying all this. He's saying that's what I would do if I were president again and something like this happened again. That's what he's saying. He's telling everyone that. These same fucking people who are out there waving their freedom flags. Freedom, freedom, freedom. I live in the free state of Florida. Thank you, Governor DeSantis. Now, there's so same people are shitting on DeSantis. And his COVID response went swimmingly. You, you got you got to be a real lowlife to support this guy. You just do. You have to be a lowlife, especially when you were out there protesting all of this stuff. And now you're just letting him get away with it. As though he was right. As though he did the right thing. Simply because you're in a cult. And whatever the cult leader says, goes. Well, enough of this negative stuff. Mike, why are you so negative? Mike, why are you so negative all the time? Um, but here's a, here's a, gr- a great <clears throat> column that was written in something called the Washington Times. Uh, it's about DeSantis, okay? This was just written yesterday. And the, the heading is DeSantis, a proven leader for America's revival. Governor is a man of his word. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis set himself apart on the debate stage as a confident, consistent, and proven leader who's ready to be the President of the United States in reverse our nation's decline. As a former Trump appointee, I have great respect for what the former president was able to accomplish, but the reality is he didn't show up for the debate. Our party deserves a candidate who will show up and put in the work. We need a candidate who, who can beat President Biden, serve for two terms, and deliver for the American people. Three points stood out to me about Ron DeSantis' debate performance. First, as the only veteran on stage, Ron showed he's uniquely prepared to be commander-in-chief on day one. Before the candidate has served, so Ron understands the importance of rebuilding our military and returning America to a position of strength on the global stage. Many Americans have not yet heard the story of his service, so it was important for those who watched the debate to learn how he volunteered to join the Navy after graduating from Harvard Law School, deployed in support of SEAL Team 1 as a JAG officer in Iraq, and was awarded the Bronze Star. As a military officer myself, this record of service is a trait I'm looking for in our next president. Second, Ron showed his focus and discipline. He's been under relentless attack since announcing his uh, candidacy because he has the strongest proven track record leading up to the debate and the Trump campaign obsessively targeted him. 
Uh, let me, sorry. But Ron is used to taking the arrows. Who could forget the corporate media uniting against Mr. DeSantis when he stood up for his citizens and cut Florida open and free during COVID-19? He never got distracted from his mission to share his forward-looking vision for our nation. Americans got a preview of President DeSantis, focused, disciplined, and positive. Third, I've known Ron DeSantis for a long time. Before, Mr. Trump appointed me as the 13th administrator of the National Aeronautics and Space Administration. Ron and I served in Congress together when members of the House Freedom Caucus. Juan was founding member of the group whose mission was to give a voice to countless Americans who feel that Washington doesn't represent them. I've seen firsthand what Ron thinks about the way D.C. operates, and I know how he would break the swamp as president. Let me tell you, when Ron says he's going to do something, he gets it done. He's a man of his word, a dedicated father and husband, and a patriot who takes his oath of office seriously. Ron has always been anti-establishment because he's never been in it for himself. Media, the Democrats, and every other candidate attack him. When he's elected president of the United States, they will lose their power and their status, and the American people will win with a leader who puts them first. Ron DeSantis showed the nation last week that is the only proven leader for our nation's Bible. That was written by Jim Brandestein. Jim Brandestein. So there you go. There's a good positive. There's a good positive article written about about Ron DeSantis. And uh, even uh, Mark Levin, who's been in the bag quite often for Trump, uh, did like a seven-minute monologue a couple of days ago after watching the debate about Ron DeSantis and all the things Ron DeSantis accomplished, all the things he did, all the things he did right when everyone else was doing things wrong, had the vision and the courage to do his own thing and end up being the winner, end up being the only person to do the right thing for COVID for three years. So there are a lot of people out there who watched it. And I said this yesterday, that most people haven't paid attention yet, that it's still the summer, still very early. And unlike us, most people aren't so into this stuff. They have their lives to run. They have their jobs to go to. They have their kids to take care of. They have their summer plans, their vacation plans, and they're not thinking about 2024 elections yet. And so many people saw him for the first time, and more people will see him for the first time next month in the second debate. And, uh, I was reading, a, um, I think it was a tweet by Bill Mitchell today, and he said uh, he was talking to five people today. None of them said they're paying any attention yet, which is not uncommon. That's expected. I expect that. Because most people don't follow it this early. They wait until after the summer. Okay? So the idea that anyone... Doesn't matter. Even if Ron DeSantis was ahead in, in, these, in these polls, it doesn't matter. It's too early. There's a long way to go. Most people simply haven't been yet. And they will. And they will. Once we get past Labor Day weekend, which is, hey, coming up this weekend, isn't it? People will start to pay attention again. They'll start to pay attention again. And then they'll say, okay. Who's running? I mean, that's what many people are going to do. Like I said, as crazy as that sounds to you and I, most people haven't even thought about this yet, let alone 
talk about it every fucking night, right? Or go on social media several times a day to look at this. Most people will at some point, and they're all on their different time schedule. Some maybe not until November or December or after the holidays, maybe not until January. Say, okay, who's running? Let's take a look. And so that puts things into into uh, perspective a little bit more, right? That puts things into perspective a little bit more. Um, a couple of other things I wanted to get to. Okay, so so the COVID stuff, as I said, it's very dangerous that Trump is pretending all that stuff worked because it just gives other people to right to continue to do it or to do it again. And he's pretty much serving notice that he would do it again. And it's not like this; it's this far off thing that won't happen or can never happen. We're seeing it already coming back again. For how many times? For the 10th time? As we enter 2020, 24, they're still going to be talking about mandates, masks, mandates, hospital mask mandates. We're already seeing mask mandates coming back in some hospitals and some uh, universities. And we never had a leader. And of course, we still don't. We have the leader in Florida. There'd be no vaccine or mask mandates or any lockdowns or anything there because they have a leader with balls. But we still haven't seen any leader, be it Trump or Biden nationally, stop this stuff. Put it, use the bully pulpit to end it. So it just all comes around again. John Tierney in City Journal uh, yesterday wrote, uh, uh, two days ago, wrote, no mask, please. We're rational. Maskaholics are incorrigible. The rest of us should pay them no heed. Unfazed by data, scientific or common sense, the maskaholics are back. In response to an uptick in COVID cases, they've begun reinstating mask mandates. So far, it's just a few places, college in Atlanta, a Hollywood studio, a couple of hospitals in Syracuse. But the mainstream media and their favorite, quote unquote, experts are working hard to scare the rest of us into masking up yet again. Never mind that at least 97% of Americans have had have COVID antibodies in their blood as a result of infection, vaccination, or both. Never mind that actual experts, the ones who studied the scientific literature before 2020 and drew up plans for a pandemic, advised against masking the public. You see, these people before 2020 were, were drawing up plans, right? So when Trump says, well, he had no idea. Oh, my God. What the hell? I did. He's full of shit as usual. Never mind that their advice has been further bolstered during the pandemic by randomized clinical trials and rigorous observational studies failing to find an effort effect of masks and mask mandates. Scientific evidence cannot overcome the maskaholic's faith. It's tempting to compare them with the villagers in Cambodia who erected scarecrows in front of their huts to ward off the coronavirus. But that's not fair to the villagers. They're Ting Mong, as the magic scarecrows are called, at least didn't hurt any of their neighbors. The mass mandates impose harms on the public that were well known before COVID, which is why occupational safety regulations limited workers' mask usage. Dozens of studies have demonstrated mask-induced exhaustion syndrome, which symptoms include an increase of carbon dioxide in the blood, difficulty breathing, dizziness, drowsiness, headache, and diminished ability to concentrate and think. It was no surprise during the pandemic when adverse effects of masks were reported in a study of healthcare workers in New York City. More than 70% of the workers said that prolonged mask wearing gave them headaches and nearly a quarter blamed it for impaired cognition. 
<clears throat> a possibly toxic effect of prolonged mask wearing, particularly for pregnant women, children, and adolescents, were identified in a review of the scientific literature published this year by German researchers. They warned that mask wearers are breathing carbon dioxide at levels linked with adverse effects on the body's cardiovascular, respiratory, cognitive, and, rep and, re and reproductive systems. Writing for City Journal, Jeffrey Anderson summarized their conclusions. While eight times the normal level of carbon dioxide is toxic, research suggested mask wearers, especially those who wear masks for more than five minutes at a time, are breathing in 35 to 80 times normal levels. Because of research linking elevated carbon dioxide levels with stillbirths, the German researchers note, the US Navy began living at this level on the submarines when female crews began serving. The researchers warn that this level of carbon dioxide is often exceeded when wearing a mask, especially an N95 mask. And they point to circumstantial evidence that mask usage may be related to the increase in stillbirths worldwide, including in the US during the pandemic. They also observed that no such increase occurred in Sweden, where the vast majority of citizens followed the government's recommendation not to wear masks. No drug with all these potential side effects would be recommended, much less mandated for the entire population. And a drug that flunked its clinical trials wouldn't even be submitted for approval. Yet the CDC, disdaining any cost-benefit analysis, continues to recommend masking for all Americans on indoor public transportation and for everyone living in areas with high rates of COVID transmission. Of the pandemic, even Tony Fauci advised against masks because there was no evidence of their efficacy. But then in response to media hysteria, he and the CDC went on to re recommend them anyway and justified themselves by citing cherry-picked data and consistently flawed studies. Meanwhile, the CDC and its shills have continued to ignore or downplay the much stronger evidence against masks, mostly, notably, a review of randomized clinical trials published in January by Cochrane, the preeminent authority for medical evidence. The Cochrane Review concluded that wearing a mask of any kind probably makes little or no difference in reducing the spread of COVID, flu, or any respiratory illness. Maskaholics were reduced to arguing that the mask effects were too subtle to be detected in clinical trials. Imagine a drone company trying to make the argument, that same argument to the FDA, but the mask futility was so evident in COVID trends around the world, unmasked Swedes fared much better than other Europeans forced to wear masks. A 2020 study comparing states across the U.S. found no association between mask mandates and the spread of COVID. The mandate's irrelevance was especially obvious in a graph tracking weekly changes in COVID rates and mask policies during the first two years of the pandemic. The weekly rates of COVID infection in states without mask mandates remained steadily the same as in states with mandates. There was also virtually no difference in the rates of cumulative mortality. The rate was slightly lower in the states without the mandates. This is... Um, this is Mike speaking here. This is exactly what Ian Miller wrote in his book, Unmasked. He has all the evidence compiled over a full year, all these charts showing these things. Similar results were reported this year in an extensive analysis published in The Lancet by several dozen researchers from six universities. Their study was funded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, which can hardly be accused of an anti-mask bias, given that Bill Gates has already drawn up plans for imposing mask mandates and lockdown measures around the world. 
The authoritarian enthusiasm in his book, How to Prevent the Next Pandemic, prompted an article in the Daily Skeptic. We must find a way to prevent Bill Gates from preventing the next pandemic. The Lancet analysis compared COVID outcomes in the 50 states with the state's varying policy responses. It found that a state's cumulative rates of infection and mortality were not significantly related to restrictions on public gatherings, to stay-at-home orders, or to closures of primary schools, colleges, restaurants, bars, or gyms. The political affiliation of a state's governor also made no difference. The verdict on mask mandates was especially grim. The researchers found that a mandate had no significant effect on cumulative COVID infections or mortality, but that it did correlate with one statistically significant effect, a decline in fourth graders' test scores. That's not hard to explain considering the evidence that masks interfere with a child's ability to learn. What's inexplicable is the singular cruelty of America toward children. All European countries have followed the recommendation of WHO not to mask children under six, and some haven't masked children even under 12. But the CDC continues recommending masks for children two years old and above while denying there are any adverse effects. The CDC's misinformation, unfortunately, continues to be spread by the media and by censors on social media platforms. In 2021, when I described peer-reviewed research about the harms of masking children, Facebook labeled my article partly false. City Journal appealed the ruling to Facebook's monitors, an outside group called Science Feedback, which failed to identify any inaccuracies. Yet science feedback not only refused to remove the label, but also flatly claimed against the guidance of the WHO that masks were safe for children as young as two. The group has since continued to put warning labels on articles challenging the efficacy of masks and it still ignores or dismisses the strong evidence of mass futility, even the clinical trials reviewed by Cochrane. While conceding that randomized controlled trials are considered the gold standard, science feedback rejects the Cochrane Review in favor of weak, short-term observational studies that other researchers have criticized severely for flawed methodology and unwarranted conclusions. Is there any cure for maskaholism? Maskaholism. The fact checkers at Science Feedback seem immune to genuine science feedback, but there ought to be someone at Facebook with the sense not to keep employing them. The CDC's current leaders and their media acolytes are probably beyond hope, too, if only because they have to admit how wrong they've been for so long now. But there's no reason for the rest of us to heed them. The next time someone urges you to put on a mask, tell them you're already protected against COVID by your magic scarecrow. John Tierney is a contributing editor of City Journal and co-author of The Power of Bad, How the Negativity Effect Rules Us and How We Can Rule It. Okay. Okay, there's a great article, but once again, Ian Miller wrote a book about this called Unmasked. Proves beyond a, a, I wouldn't even say a reasonable doubt, a shadow of a doubt that masks did nothing to prevent the spread of COVID. And in fact, were destructive in so many ways. Yet, has uh, Donald Trump ever come out strongly against masking? against mass mandates? Not from what I recall. He made fun of Biden's big mask once, but that was about it. However, Ron DeSantis, right, has made mask mandates illegal, has challenged uh, 
city mayors? Didn't Mr. Swart, Mr. Uh, the mayor of Miami, uh, Tony Tony Montana, I believe his name is, didn't he argue and and go crazy and complain that DeSantis wouldn't let him impose a mask mandate in the city of Miami? And that guy's supposedly Republican. That's a real Republican, right? That's a real, that's not a rhino. That's a real Republican. And do you remember when there was an event and there were about five or six kids on the stage with masks standing there as Ron DeSantis came up on the stage and said to them, you know, you can take those off now. You can take those off now. Donald Trump ever do that? No, once again, one is a proven leader and one is a loser. That's the difference. One's a leader and the other's a loser. And just being a loser would be bad enough, but allowing all this to continue to happen, continue allowing it to happen again, basically saying you would do the same exact things if you were again, shows the danger, shows how really important, I mean, truly, truly important this election is. It's, it's vital. It's a vital election. I know we say this all the time, right? Every two years we say this, whether it's a congressional election, whether it's a midterms or whether it's a presidential, we always say this is the most important election of our time. Well, it really is. It really is. And I hope that we can wake up in time. When I say we, I mean Republicans in the primary. That's what I mean. But this is good news, and it's in the numbers. Last month, Truth Social had a total of 10 million visits for the entire month. It's ranked 194th in its category. So these numbers, these facts, this evidence goes against Trump screaming how his platform is, is the hottest. 10 million visits for an entire month, 194th in this category is considered hot, 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 hot. True social, so isn't that the most frightening thing about Trump when he's screaming? It's like, and then he goes like this. He talks like that. It's almost like he's being taken over by another entity, another satanic entity. Very odd way of speaking. It really is. I have two levels of speaking. I yell and I don't yell, right? Isn't that normal? Most people, they yell sometimes, but they don't yell. On the show, the last 45 minutes, I've yelled sometimes, and I haven't yelled at others. And I've yelled when I get angry and I'm doing a monologue, and I don't yell when I'm reading something, right? So that's normal, I think. I'm normal. I'm normal. I'm smart. I'm not dumb like they say. Uh, okay, anyway, but Donald Trump, the way he talks is so weird. It's, it's, it is like he's being taken over by another entity. Now that we're going to go, we're going to win that election because we're not going to let them beat us. It's so weird. It's so bizarre. Oh, my goodness. Never mind his head movements and his, the way he puts his shoulder into it when he's talking. It's, it's, I'm making myself laugh. He makes me laugh. He makes me laugh. Um, Ron DeSantis has 19 events in just two hours alone. Okay, I want let's read let's read Mr. DeSantis's schedule. If I can open this up here, this was his schedule for Monday the twenty eighth, the first of this week. Okay, I mean this is absolutely insane. How does anyone do this? 
I get up, yeah, you know, I get up late, I eat, I eat something, then I go to the gym, then I come home and I go on social media and I go on Facebook a little bit, very busy. And then maybe, you know, a couple of hours later, I might uh, get another bite to eat. And then, you know, I go back on social media again and I don't know, maybe I get another bite to eat, take a nap. That's my schedule. This is Ron DeSantis' schedule. 8.30 in the morning, briefing at State Emergency Operations Center. 9 o'clock, press conference. 9.35, call President Biden. That must have been fun. 9.45, interview with the Weather Channel. 10 a.m., call with FEMA Administrator Diane Criswell. 10.05 a.m., that must have been a very short call. Electric Association Executive Director. Okay, 10, 10 a.m. So these are like five-minute calls. Call with Florida Power and Light President and CEO Armand Pimentel Jr. 10, 15. You got a call with uh, another president, Archie Collins or something, Teco president. Uh, 10, 20. Call with Duke Energy. 10, 25. A call with Florida Association of Electric Cooperative. 10, 30. Call with Tallahassee Major John. Tallahassee Mayor. Major? I think it's mayor. I don't know. Anyway, uh, probably Tallahassee mayor. Oh, mayor John Daly. Really, ten thirty-five a.m. Call with Lafayette County Sheriff guy. Ten forty, another call. Ten forty-five, another call. Ten fifty, another call. Ten fifty-five, another call. It keeps on going. Eleven a.m. A call with Senator Rick Scott. He only gets five minutes too. Eleven o five a.m. Call with Broward County Sheriff. Eleven fifteen a.m. Another. So this keeps going. It, it really kept going and going and going and going and going in this two-hour period, 19 things, from 8.30 in the morning to 11.30. Oh, from 8.30 in the morning to 11.15, this is 19 things, one thing after another, after another, after another. This is called doing your job. This is, this is called not being a lazy ass, just taking in uh, contributions for a defense fund from people who, who certainly can't afford to be giving you that money. People can't even afford to put food on their own table or send their kids to school or get gas for their car that are sending you money to keep your ass out of jail. There's working and then there's grifting. And Ron DeSantis works and Donald Trump grifts. They grift. And people who support them, like Vivek, like, I'm sorry, Mike, come on, slap myself. Who's Vivek? The fake, the fake, Farmer Swampy, he uh, follows Trump, right? He's a Trump lover. And all the people Trump surrounds himself with, they're all grifters. They're on the Trump grift train. And I've talked about this from both ends of the political spectrum. There are people on the, on the right who have used Trump as a grift, right? Being pro-Trump, over-the-top pro-Trump is a grift for them. And then there are people on the left who being totally anti-Trump, right? And having Trump derangement syndrome has been a grift. For them, we've seen that. We've seen on the networks, right? We see it with like the Lincoln Project, right? A total grift, total grift. And you're saying, Mike, come on. They're against Donald Trump. They come out and they criticize Trump. Yeah, but they're full of shit because their whole idea behind the Lincoln Project was they want Republicans to go back to their old Republican selves, the normal Republicans, right? Like uh, Abe Lincoln, the guy it's named after. But it's all a grift. It's nonsense because now they don't support any Republicans. Let's put it this way. They don't support any Republicans that can actually win. Any Republicans with real teeth like Ron DeSantis. If the Lincoln Project weren't totally full of shit, they'd be, hell, they'd be putting money behind Ron DeSantis. A real conservative, old school conservative Republican. But they're not. They're criticizing him. They're talking as though he shouldn't be president because they're full of crap. 
because it's not about just going after Trump. And I can understand just ridding the party of Trump. I've talked about that, right? I've, I've talked about that. I've talked about that. The Republican Party needs to rid themselves of Donald Trump, of Trumpism, of the Trump cult. So that's fine. If any kind of project were pushing for that, I'd get it. But what makes them full of crap is that now they basically just push Democrats. Now they're the party of Joe Biden, as ridiculous as that is. What true Republicans would push Joe Biden or Joe Biden over Ron DeSantis? They're full of crap. So there's a lot of grifters. Little grifters on both sides of the coin. Anything really connected with Donald Trump is a grift. He attracts them. He attracts them. Um, the grifters who did his dirty work when it comes to trying to fix the election, overthrow the election results, the documents in Florida, whatever it may be, right? All those people who were around him when he was president ended up being indicted or going to jail, right? All those scummy people that latch on to him. Remember they say that you can learn a lot about who you are from the friends you keep? Well, come on. Look at the friends Donald Trump keeps. Uh, and this program is recorded. Is that a joke? This program might be recorded for research purposes. It is recorded. It will, it's, this is live and it will be recorded. There'll be a recording of it about five minutes after the show's over. So every show is recorded. Every show is live and Memorex, and I share every show that I do. So no disclosure needed. Um, am I a science project, man? Am I being, a, are you making me into a science project? If there is, if I am a science project, I have been researched longer now in the last five minutes than these vaccines have been, have been researched. Just to think about that. Think about that. Micah Chopley has been researched more now than the vaccines were. So isn't that amazing? And yet here we go again. Here we go again. Uh, talking about grifters. Well, do I want to end the show on that? Maybe, well, gender dysphoria. All right. Yeah. I'll talk about, maybe I'll talk about this in my next show, the, the trans thing, but, uh, Vivek is a huge, you know, the fake, the fake, the fake farmer swampy is a huge, is a huge grifter. He's saying ridiculous things. He's come with moronic things saying whatever he has to, to get out of the room alive. Right. That's what the, the fake farmer swampy is. So he says idiotic things, right? Like, make voting mandatory. Isn't this from the guy who didn't vote in the past two elections? Don't they have the, the, the fakes records? He didn't vote in the past two elections, local elections, and yet he wants to make uh, it mandatory. This guy, he's got like a thing with voting. He wants to make voting mandatory. Can't vote till you're 25 and let you, unless you pass some kind of a, a, a special, a special quiz, quiz test that he wants people to take. It's, it's, the, it's, that whole, it's that whole political campaigning of like throw everything you can out there, right? Everything you can. You might get two people to vote for this issue and one person on that and three people will connect to this ridiculous idea and five people will connect to that ridiculous idea and then you'll get enough people to do something with. That's all the fake is about. He's a, a total Tony grifter, used car salesman. 
And I'm guessing a lot of these people on social media and people who have uh, connected with Vivek. Now, th there are two types of people who have connected with the fake former Swampy. One is the, the Trump supporter who's doing it just in spite, to spite Ron Dentis. And then there are people who actually really like him and really think he'd make <laughs> a good president. Um, it's frightening. It's like, I guess these people had never met a salesman before. Maybe they've been taken for a lot of money. Maybe they're just gullible people who have bought a lot of lemons from used car salesmen who, who are fooled by fast-talking phonies. But Robert F. Kennedy Jr. just tweeted in that debate, uh, I'm calling him Farmer Swampy, although I wish, I wish Kennedy would. Farmer Swampy approved of taxing single-parent families more heavily, presumably to encourage marriage. Only someone completely out of touch with the reality of single parenting would make such a ridiculous statement. And so the people who are normal out there who can spot, I mean, but this is what amazes me about Pharma Swampy is that most people, you would hope he's such a phony. I mean, there's, there's nothing that's like about him that's good at fooling people. Yes, I've said he's a fast talker. And fast talkers usually perform well in uh, formats such as debate formats where you have 30 seconds, right? Give me a fast, give me a 30 second pitch, baby. Give me that 30 second pitch, baby. And you do that eight or nine times and you can stand out pretty well. But it's amazing to me how more people can see through this guy and what a phony he is, not just the way he talks and presents himself, phony speaking way of talking, his fast talking ways, his, his fake smile with that ridiculous over overly extended smile that he has. But then if you just look at his past and he's not that old, you don't got to go back more than two years to 2021 when he wrote a book that pretty much said Trump was an idiot and his followers were morons, right? Pretty much said Trump is useless. And now two years later, he's saying he's the best president of the 21st century because he wants his sloppy seconds from his cult. That's why. He wants Trump's sloppy seconds when Trump finally uh, ends his campaign, when he realizes DeSantis is going to kick his ass in Iowa. And that's what will happen. I predicted that yesterday. Trump will end his campaign when he realizes that DeSantis will beat him in Iowa. He will definitely get out before the results. Okay, He does not want to come in even second by one vote. He can't deal with that. So, And I think DeSantis is going to kick his ass in Iowa. It won't even be close. So um, I think he'll drop out. Brady, I'll get to you in a second. Where you been? One second. I'll get to you in one second. <laughs> Just let me finish this sentence. Uh, he's in it, Vivek, simply for himself. He's in it just like Trump. He's in it for himself, right? Got his campaign. He's got a defense fund he can build up. He's got the UGGO, and Vivek is in this for himself, right? So that's all he cares about is, is, is the fake Pharma Swampy. Two, what did he put out? Some fake pills, or he backed some fake some pills, some from big pharma crap that fell flat. It, it's all about making money for him, right? This young entrepreneur. I'm a young entrepreneur. Then he lies and says he came from meager backgrounds. When we know he went to a wealthy, rich high school, right? A prestigious high school, right? And that his parents were what? One was a psychiatrist. Come on, the guy is just a a a, a total. Another one of those sociopathic liars, right? And they're all different personality-wise, right? Biden, Trump, the fake. But they're all like sociopathic liars that you 
can only really get as far as they've gotten in this country, where people are so gullible and ignorant and can't see through this stuff. But you know who can see through it? Brady. How you doing, Brady? You know how to call it. <laughs> I was warning you that love, attention is the most fundamental form of love that there is. So be careful who we bother to pay attention to. But good reporting, by the way, though. Good to, good to give everybody a little love every now and then. But I would offer there's a new guy in town who's much more worth paying attention to. And his name is Dr. Shiva Ayadurai. Who? And have you heard of this guy? No. You, you're going to love him. Dude, you're going to fucking love this guy. Why? Why this am I guy him? Tell me why I need to love him. Blew my fucking mind today. Blew my socks. And everything that I've been saying for the last decades. Uh, I don't know where this guy came from, what he's doing or up to, you know, but uh, I just heard him talking on Savvy's show today. And mm-hmm. I just dropped a link in the chat there for you. This guy blew my mind, dude. He had some of the best criticism, most legitimate criticism of Jimmy Dore. That I've heard from anyone other than myself. Why are we? And, why do we need to criticize Jimmy Dore? Is he running for president? Oh, he would if we demand if we asked him to. <laughs> really? A Jimmy Dore presidency? Oh, in a heartbeat. Campaign. He he's begging. He's he's basically begging us to do it without doing it directly. Oh, really? Yeah. But what what what's the context? What was it? What's the what's the criticism of Jimmy? Um, he he just goes soft. Like he holds his punches on certain things, and he defends Donald, and is like anti-war and stuff like this. And uh, you know, he's just uh, a a couple of inconsistencies, and the fact that uh, Jimmy Dore hasn't had him on his show yet either. Are we saying something? Dore is a grifter, also. A little bit, yeah. That he says just enough to make his audience happy, but he doesn't really go far enough. And I agree with him on that criticism 100%, actually. But, but, but does that make Jimmy Dore bad or just not really great? No, it just makes him a bitch. <laughs> I wouldn't call him a bitch. Other people are bitches. No, yeah, he's not a bitch. Other people are bitches. Yeah, he makes him, makes, him, makes him an old, out-of-touch boomer is what okay. it does. You I'm going to uh, say what Jimmy Dore always says about himself, that he's just a stand-up comic. What do you want? From a stand-up comic, he calls himself that, doesn't he? Say that all the time. You get you, why do we have to? Why do people get news from like a stand-up comic? I'm just a fucking stand-up comic with a stupid show. He said that a million times. I've heard him say that a million times. So why don't we take him at his word that he's just a stand-up comic with a silly show? I mean, so is, is he to be? Is he, he to be Anna, like? Anna brought up an interesting point. She's suggesting that Shiva Ayadurai did not invent email. I think he's claiming that he had some part in the development of email and that may or may not be true. I'm interested in learning more about that. Um, I don't know. I, I haven't heard anything about it. Oh, I, I know that uh, Al Gore. Really mind, Al yeah, Gore invented the internet. So. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's okay. could be a situation <laughs> similar to that. It could that's be. True. Yeah, it could be something. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt that he played some role in the development of email. AOL um, didn't AOL develop? You've got yeah. mail, isn't that AOL? Exactly. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he was old enough for that. You know, he was absolutely old enough for that. So, I mean, it, it kind of lines up. Yeah. Um, I would have heard about him because I was using – I was. I'll tell you, I didn't invent the email, but I was one of the first people to use the internet. I really was. I was 15, and I was using the internet. When was it? When was I 15, Brady? 86. So in 1986, I started using the internet and email. So that's the beginning, man. That's like the, the, the vanguard wow. of it all. So I wouldn't I have heard of this guy? I think I would have heard of him if he invented email, I would think. I don't know. Right? I thought I'm really honestly shocked myself that I just was introduced to this guy today. And yeah. uh, my mind is blown. He's just the coolest fucking dude. I wish I could. Uh, I only caught a part of his interview. But um, he was saying things that I've been saying for decades, saying and thinking for decades. And he's just, uh, like you mentioned, uh, the other guy, the Republican candidate, is kind of a poser. The fake um, Swampy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's a fake kind of, you know, he, he claims that he's like a lower caste and all this stuff, but he comes from these fancy backgrounds and whatnot. Yeah. And this guy's like legitimately like hung out with our kind of people. Um, and really did come from like, uh, legitimately, um, like he's legitimately dark skinned Indian. Like they, uh, I forget what they call him, but he's like the lowest caste. Oh, is so, that the way it works? Um, I, I yeah, don't know. Yeah. I don't know the caste system with India. I, I don't, I don't. It's more or less based on the color of your skin. Really? Brahmanism, I think. I think it's called oh. Brahmanism. Huh. So what? You mean the darker the skin, the higher you are, or the lower you are? Opposite of that. Oh, opposite of that. Oh, so it's it's like real racism in a way, right? The darker the yeah, skin, yeah. the worse the person is. Oh, it wow. really, it really is. Crazy. They really Very do by, go by color of your skin, not the content of your character. People still adhere to it today. You know, it's still adhered to even up in today's like days like today. So in India, I'd be considered the highest caste. You and I would be. Well, you wouldn't be Indian, but you'd be white. <laughs> hey, Brady, do you see? I, I know maybe you don't, hopefully, you probably don't uh, follow Farmer Swampy that much, but to me, he reminds me a little bit. And since you're on, I thought about this as the Republican Beto, you know, uh, like, a, like a, a guy that'll stand on a car and talk fast and you know, and, and say the right things to whatever audience he's talking to, but is really a phony with no knowledge or ideas or, or experience yeah. in getting things done. Yeah. I, I, I got that vibe from him. I will say that I think Donald is afraid of him, which uh, he has that going for him, which isn't much. Uh, Donald well, is a I, bitch. Well, by the way, where is Beto? Has he disappeared? Oh, he's disappeared from Texas politics completely as far as I know. After the campaign, I don't keep from him. Yep. The, the only time you hear of Beto is when there's a shooting in Texas. Then he comes out. out of the woodwork whenever there's a shooting. But other than that, you never hear from Beto anymore. And there was a time when he was in the news every fucking day. It shows the, right, attention, so... the attention span of the, of the mainstream media, right? Like the attention span of a gnat, basically. I guess that just reflects the country, most of the people here. Not much of an attention span. So Anna said that Ayadurai also supports Matthew Colligan, a white supremacist from the 2017 Unite the Right rally. And I'm wondering 
how how does he support him? Like, in what way does he support him? Can we get like an article? Some of these criticisms, because I don't, I, I, I can't back any of this up. I don't know the guy. I don't anything. About yeah, I, I just heard of the guy today. Yeah, I just and um, pretty impressed with what he had to say, though. And I think that he's much more worth listening to than any of the Republican candidates. <laughs> and I'm interested yeah. to know his opinion on Dr. West, you know, because yeah. um, she, she's saying that he supports these alt-right white guys, you know. And I'm curious as to what his opinion of Dr. West is. I'm sure that was in the interview, but I just missed it. But um, highly recommend looking into this guy and at least checking out what he has to say. Pretty interesting guy. Well, look, there are a lot of people in the media who don't really do their job, right? I talked earlier in the show about Glenn Buck. He has uh, Glenn Beck. He has on Donald Trump. He lets him lie about COVID. You know, the guy's lying to his face about how great lockdowns and, and vaccines and, uh, and ventilators were. Stuff that Glenn Beck knows isn't true. Stuff just like the Trump cult railed against for three years. And then Donald Trump's on the show and it's just, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. So uh, there are a lot of people out there in the media, big and small, that have no real uh, spine, right? It's not, it's not surprising to me. It's not surprising to me. Once again, I don't, I don't listen. I don't watch Jimmy Dore. I used to watch him kind of religiously during the Sanders days, during the the campaigns, the Sanders campaigns, because he was so against the Democratic establishment and firmly on Bernie's side. And I think he's learned a little bit about that, about Bernie since I don't listen to him. So I don't know exactly what he's saying about Bernie these days, but he woke up when he got that vaccine and got injured from it. That's fine. I mean, look, if you need to get personally injured from something, or you need to have someone close to you get hurt by something to finally see the light, that's fine. I prefer you not need that. And Jimmy seemed to have needed that because he wasn't anti a lot of this COVID stuff and he wasn't anti the vaccine until he got injured from it. Fine. At least, at least having personal injury, he was able to see the light. I get it. But I don't know. I just prefer people like DeSantis and myself who didn't need to have any kind of injuries or around us hurt by it to not know the truth. So I think that's uh that's a big part of it. Um, I'll, I'll look into this guy. I'll look at Bridge. You want to say anything else? Is there anything else you wanted to uh, talk about? Just wondering if he supported the Stop the Steal movement in an electoral way or in a Donald supporting way, like in a Donald worshiping way, you know, because I can understand supporting the movement um, in hopes that it would reform electoral politics. Well, it says, I mean, uh, I mean, uh, it says here on my feed, Ann is saying that he, that, how do you, how do you pronounce his name? Aya Durai? Aya Durai is one of Mike Lindell's Stop the Steal supporters. So that means he supports the Trump camp, the Trump version. Yeah, the MyPillow guy. Right. So if you're, if you're supporting Mike Lindell, then you're supporting that, uh, Stop the steal that they stole the election from Trump. So this guy is not sounding so great, Brady, anymore. If this is all true about this guy, he's not sounding so great anymore. I'm sorry. They're not, did you get knocked off? They are. Sure. Right. They are. right. Yeah. Well, I'm wondering right. what she means by these associations. Like, does that, does he, did he support Stop the Steal in general? And by that, is that his association to Mike Lindell? Or does he know Mike Lindell and personally endorse him? Um, 
Uh, well, if he supported like, Michael and Del's movement, yeah, I'd like to know the context. Drift. Yeah, yeah, like show us the quote, show us the context, show us the money he gave. Like, in what way yeah. did he support? Yeah. Like, you know, the, the context is important when you make criticisms. You have to provide the full context of the criticism. You have to provide the evidence and the receipt of the criticism. Otherwise, the criticism is just a vascous thing that somebody online said. Oh my and God! I think you're yeah, talking about accountability end. now. Accountability? Yeah, yeah right. Oh, Brady, come on. What country do you live in? Sweden? I think Anne is actually doing a report on conspiracy thinking, and so I think she she knows a thing or two about believing the words of a random stranger online. And so yeah. I think it would make more sense for her to provide a link to the actual evidence and a receipt to the criticism instead of just. Right, you know, vague accusations. Mm. That's always a good idea. All right, well, I'll I'll look him up too, and maybe we'll talk more um, about him once I learn more about him. But, to Anne, to Anne's um, credit, she finally dropped the receipt. <laughs> there you go. There's the receipt. So we'll. All right, Brady. Thanks for calling. Thanks for calling from Texas. Always good to hear from Texas. Texas is in the house. Texas always has to be represented so thank you i appreciate it um but look uh, that's what you said is important you know back up what you're saying with some context show some evidence of it right because there's so much shit out there what do we believe like i said i was talking about this yesterday about uh click clickbait headlines and i see more and more and more and more and more and it's all clickbait stuff right you get that that headline that's totally inaccurate that doesn't even even really necessarily represent what the article is about that they use for uh, getting people to to click on their stuff. So there's just too much of that going on now. There's too much of that going on, and there's really no way to get control of it. It's kind of gone out of control. In fact, if I look on my feed now, this is the worst feed. I but it's it's my I use the Internet Explorer, so I get all this Microsoft. It's like Microsoft news some news on the microsoft thing and they have some of the ho most horrible uh here here look at this one well americans this is and you look at the um the outlet and i've never heard about you've heard of media feed media feed will americans take the new wave of COVID 19 more seriously than they have before what americans didn't take COVID 19 seriously the first time wait a minute locking down keeping kids out of school, getting vaccinated 27 times, wearing masks for two years. That's not taking it seriously. So look at that ridiculous clickbait. Will Americans take the new wave of COVID more seriously than they have before? So that's totally ridiculous clickbait because Americans went totally over the top with how serious they took COVID. But then also what you're implying with that clickbait headline is that uh, COVID's back and it's not. So you have to watch out for this stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, you could even even the most mainstream of politics, like the ones you supposedly be able to trust, like Newsweek, half of their stuff are clickbait. Half of their stuff are absolutely clickbait, right? Is DeSantis campaign in trouble? DeSantis runs back to Florida. Oh, oh, clickbait headline like, DeSantis suspends his campaign. No, he didn't. He went to Florida. He's not campaigning 
right now, this minute, maybe for the next week, because he needs to be in Florida because of a mass shooting and a hurricane. That's not suspending a campaign. Suspending a campaign means I'm not running for president anymore. So these are just ridiculous clickbait headlines. And this one after the other, after the other, after the other. So you have to really, if you click on these things, people say, oh, Mike, big deal. No deal, because it enables this stuff to continue to go on. So you have to watch. I used to be guilty of this. I would just click on it. I go, oh, okay, who cares? Looks interesting. No, because then they're getting what they want. They're making money off of lying. They're making money off of being deceitful, right? And we don't want that to happen. So we shouldn't click on these things. And a lot of this is there because they're trying to fill up the headlines, right? There's so much room on the internet that unfortunately is this room for a lot of bullshit. When there was no internet, there's only so much room in a newspaper, right? So you had to really limit it to the stuff that's the most pertinent. But now with unlimited room on the internet, there's so much room for garbage. So there's so much garbage out there, you know? So you really have to uh, be careful. You really have to be careful. I think I'm going to save this for the next show about the uh, the increase in. I keep on delaying this, but um, I, I think it might be show to talk about the the increase in 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 trans. But that's something we've obviously seen a lot lately, right? All of a sudden, everyone is trans. Yeah, I'm trans. I'm trans. I'm trans. Hey, teacher, I think I'm trans. I'm trans. I'm trans. So there's all that nonsense also um let me see if there's anything else i want to and thank you for the information by the way on this guy we'll, we'll definitely i'm sure brady will look into it and i'll look into it and we'll talk more about it once again i don't watch i haven't watched jimmy Dore in a very long time so i don't i don't care about jimmy Dore that much anymore although i think he could be very funny and very sharp with his uh, analysis sometimes. I mean, I think he's a dumb guy. I think he's a smart guy and, and very funny. So that's just my, what I've noticed in the times I've watched uh, uh, Jimmy. I'm not always going to agree with what Jimmy Dore says. I'm always going to agree with his point of view, but I think, you know, in general, he's been pretty, you know, pretty clever and pretty incisive on a lot of stuff. Uh, let's see if there was anything else. I want to make sure I've covered whatever, you know, once again, one of the good guys during COVID and continues to be a good guy is a J, Dr. Jay Bhattacharya. And as he said today, the lockdowns set off a cycle of fear and panic that led to demands for harsher interventions, regardless of efficacy, because people were scared. This panic cycle is an inherent feature of lockdowns. And he's 100% right. And people like Donald Trump saying things like, oh, we had no idea, oh my God, that was the response, hair on fire bullshit that led to a lot of this fear and hysteria and it didn't work. It's one, when you hear people say all these things didn't work, yeah, that's bad enough because our lives are wasted for a couple of years there. But they also made things worse. They also hurt people. People died because of these people. Businesses died. People's lives were destroyed. So it's not just they didn't do any good. They did incredible harm. And my feeling is always intended or not, just like with 
the law, an accident, the traffic accident, right? There's homicide, there's murder. I'm so there's murder, there's a manslaughter, there's, a, you know, other forms of manslaughter, which means it's happened by accident, but it's still manslaughter. You can still go to jail for it. It's the same thing here. People were hurt and killed. People need to go to jail for that, whether it was intended or not. We just keep on seeing this over and over again, right? And instead of being in jail or being prosecuted, they're emboldened to continue to lie and do the same things over and over and over again. And that has to that has to stop. That has to stop. Uh, Doctor J, yeah, and this, of course, you know, all these authoritarians on the left who think that people like Jay Bhattacharya. Here's, I'll, I'll end on this. The frightening left, the, the new frightening authoritarian fascist left. Uh, Jay put up a, a, a tweet that said this. The hostility that public health officials have demonstrated towards religious worship and people of faith, often singling them out for particular op- opprobrium and restriction, will leave a long legacy of distrust that will make the work of public health much harder in the future, and he's 100% accurate. But whether you agree with that or not, he has the right to say it. And some moron, obviously nutjob leftist, responds by, Stanford should fire you. And Jay responds back, any university that thinks my tweet is a fireball offense really isn't a place, to fo- isn't a place for curiosity and learning. They also don't belong in this country. They belong in China. Stanford had a bad pandemic with regard to academic freedom. But not, luckily, not quite that bad, he wrote. So this is, once again, the authoritarian left who thinks you should be fired, censored, canceled, maybe even put in prison for having a point of view that they don't agree with, or that they would say isn't the mainstream point of view, even though they have no evidence that it's the mainstream point of view or not. Very, very dangerous people. This is a, a dangerous thing we're seeing among the left, and especially in the, in universities, right? This idea of shutting people up, shutting people down. If they have an opinion that bothers you, you snowflake, you. Dangerous stuff. All right. I think that's the show for today. I want to remind everyone, if you're in Florida, by the way, listen to Governor DeSantis. And as Governor DeSantis said today, if you're under an evacuation order, remember, you do not need to drive hundreds of miles. Find higher ground and listen to your local officials. It looks like the hurricane is going to go tomorrow, Wednesday. It'll be just off the coast of Tampa, and it's going to make landfall around Ville, Jacksonville area, so more the northern part of the state, I guess the panhandle part of the state, and then track through the southeastern states. So watch out. Be careful. The governor's doing his job. Listen to what he has to say, okay? There'll be no show tomorrow, Wednesday. Okay, I know usually I have a show on Wednesday, but there'll be no show on Wednesday. So the next show will be Thursday. I'll be here Thursday and Friday. All right. So I'll see you on Thursday night. Thank you for listening to and let's be heard. But until Thursday night, I'm Mike Achopoli reminding you that your influence counts. You.